Welcome to this week's edition of the Weekly Travel Alert. I'm Steve Glenn. I'm Paul Glenn. And this week we've got an exciting look at the country of Italy. I just returned this weekend from travel to Italy and I've come up with my list of the top 12 ideas of travel to Italy. And Paul, uh, tell us where you are. Well, we flipped it. Last week you were in Italy. This week I'm in Italy. So over here with a great group of people. We were out and explored a couple of vineyards today. Just having a great time. Um, you know, I think we'll, we'll talk about some of this today, but the off season is definitely the time to get out here and explore Italy. Uh, but you also, you can go and, and the, the Christmas markets here are just as grand, if not grander than what they are in other parts of Europe. So just an amazing time. How did you find the weather this week? It's been in the 50s. Uh, it's been rainy overnight, so our days so far have been dry. It's been very enjoyable. I uh, thought about joining and joining this from the outside this evening, but figured uh, it might be a little chilly for that. So, yeah, no, it's a great time of year. And, you know, if you talk to the locals, they say December mid to upper 50s, it was actually supposed to hit 60, I think, tomorrow, is not normal, but... Uh, uh, but it definitely is something where, you know, this is a great time of the year. Paul, you're staying in a villa in Italy, in Umbria. Tell us about it. Yeah, no, it's a great uh, six-bed, seven-bath villa. We've got uh, uh, five bedrooms and three couples and two uh, two single guys that are here. And uh, just, just loving it. You know, it's great to be out in the countryside. I think uh, you think of history and all that that comes with Italy and Rome. Florence and uh, just how Italy has come together. Uh, uh, but getting out in the countryside is really what, what makes Italy enjoyable. It's so peaceful, it's quiet, and uh, the views, especially where we're located, are something that I've never seen replicated anywhere else. And I heard you had a private chef serve you. How was that, my friend? Well, I have to say, <laughs> this is the second night we've had a private chef. So we just wrapped up dinner about a half an hour ago. Uh, we just had a four-course meal, and every every kind of meat you can imagine. So it hit me right where I wanted to be, and then uh, a dessert that was to die for. I'm not a dessert guy, but you know when you have somebody that's making a meal just for you, uh, you gotta at least give it a shot. And I will have to say, wasn't something I ever would have ordered, but they took my plate away empty. <laughs> well, let's get started. I put together my dirty dozen observations of travel to Italy of the good, the bad, the ugly. And uh, I thought what I'd do, Paul, is I'll read through these real quickly and tell me which ones you agree with and which ones you don't. Are you ready? Let's go. The first headline of this week's weekly travel alert sponsored by Executive Travel reads, you can really see a drop in travel this month as planes are not full. When I was traveling over to Italy, a week ago, the business class was full, and most of those, I think, were freebie tickets or upgraded tickets, but the coach class seats internationally were only about half full. What did you see? We actually, uh, you know, I was following it up until travel. One of the, the people that is traveling with us this week, uh, he, he used you know, um, some, some frequent flyer miles and put himself on the upgrade list. And he ended up getting upgraded probably a week before travel. Then all the way up until travel, there were still 10 business class seats that were open less than 30 minutes before the plane took off. So that would mean people that normally wouldn't get upgraded 
ended up getting upgraded from coach class to business class on our flights over the road this week. So it sounds like a good time to take advantage of upgrades, mileage upgrades, and other things this time of year. It's a great time. The airports weren't overly busy either. So I think uh, as you're looking at planning, getting some savings, and uh, being able to maximize your opportunity, this is a great time of year to travel between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Obviously, over the holidays, that's going to be a busy time. But you can hit these three weeks between the holidays. You're going to be able to have a great time and uh, get some savings. I also noticed our domestic flights when we were traveling from Newark to Chicago, the planes were about 75% full. There were full rows open there as well. What did you notice uh, domestically? Were they full or just partially full? Domestically, our, our flights were full. So we were going, you know, obviously. Okay. Into, um, so we flew into Chicago and then flew to Newark. So we were going to, to major cities and all those flights were full. The number two headline in this week's weekly travel alert reads, using the clear security pass to bypass long TSA pre-check lines is actually slower than just using TSA pre-check. Paul, we had a group going traveling with me and in New York City and in Chicago, I have the clear pass, which is supposed to get you and in the front of the TSA pre-check line where other people just had the pre- TSA pre-check and it took longer for me to do the clear than it did those that were just TSA pre-check. So I say, hey, that's not worth $189 a year. Yeah, no, I uh, I noticed the same thing, not on this trip, but last week I was traveling and coming back out of Nashville, the line for TSA pre-check, there was no line. The line for clear was a dozen people deep. So I definitely think uh, there's something there that there may be a little bit of overcrowding that's happening within the clear system right now. Yeah, I think they're upgrading their software, and that's slowing things down. The reason I have clear is it's included in my credit card for free. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have paid $189 for that. So once again, the TSA pre-check is, if you've got that, you probably are in good shape. The third headline of this week's weekly travel alert, you had better book your international travel as soon as possible as we're already seeing price increases. Paul, I know you're traveled there and you found $3,000 affairs. I checked this week and I saw $5,000 and $6,000 business class airfares. And those six and $800 airfares have gone up 30, 40, 50% in some markets already. So it seems like the airlines are betting on a strong, bold year next year internationally and are already raising those prices. Yeah, I've been watching some flights again for some summer travel next year for some family members that are going to be traveling with us and hoping that I'd be able to see those at $1,500 a piece for coach class. And they seem to be actually bumping. They were at, at 1800 to 2000 and I'm not sure that I'm going to see them down at $1,500 to get them, but I, I hope to be able to find them. So I think it's one where you need to book it now before it climbs, because I think uh, well, unless there's something that changes in our economy, I don't know that fares are going to get better than they are today. So book early, book off, and now's the time to book if you're planning on going on summer travel. Item number four, the headline reads in this week's weekly travel alert. Having one single flight delay can mean you are stuck and can't get home from Europe on the same day. Paul, our flights went from Rome to Newark, New Jersey, 
and then into Chicago and then into Omaha. Unfortunately, we got into Omaha, excuse me, to Newark on time and we had a three hour window layover, but there was a mechanical on the brand new 737 Max and it prevented us from getting to Chicago in time to get to Omaha. So we had to overnight in Chicago. Uh, United was nice enough to, to give our group a Rooms, complimentary rooms at the Rosemont Hilton and uh, transfers and food vouchers. But the point is, is it doesn't take much of a glitch to miss getting home. And the same would go if you've got a, if you've got an itinerary when you arrive in Europe that leaves the same time, day you arrive, you better plan for uh, dealing with a glitch and it might delay you a day. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things we were looking at and that we've been talking about for well over a month now is the great fares uh, traveling business class to Europe. Well, so we took advantage of that. But one of the things that, that was a reality for that was to have that double connection. So well, that would be another thing to weigh out is the double connection versus the single connection and the value of that. Because that could, could have potentially saved you guys from that misconnection if you wouldn't have had that that additional connection in the middle there. So so I think this this is a great example of one reason why to, to look at, you know, what would that single connection have cost compared to the triple connection and figure out what that difference is and if that value of the additional expense for that single connection would make it so that, you know, the potential of guaranteeing you're going to get home or at least raising the likelihood makes it worth that uh, extra expense. So we're, we're going into the winter season. So that's another thing to look at when it comes to those connections and your length of layover. You know, that's obviously a big piece of this. But you know, when you hit a mechanical, you don't know if it's going to be 15 minutes or you don't know if it's going to be six hours. The next headline in this week's weekly travel alert reads, everyone should get a global entry pass if they're traveling internationally. I think, Paul, you and I both agree the best investment you can make if you travel internationally is that global entry. I was coming in to the country, back to the country from Italy. I came in and it took me literally less than two minutes to get through passport control, whereas the long line, the people that didn't have global entry were waiting 10 minutes to 45 minutes to get through. So if you hate lines like I hate lines, uh, make the investment that hundred. I think it's a hundred dollars for a five-year period to get that global entry. Yeah, the funny story. Last time I was traveling over here and, and headed back, similar situation. But I think I was through customs in less than fifteen seconds. Then the sad thing then was is that I, I checked the bag, and so I was stuck waiting three minutes for my bag then. To claim and recheck. So when you have to queue up and when you're in a time frame where you've got multiple flights that have all gotten into those international hubs at the same time, standing in that line and going through queue, you know, that, that that's painful to me. So I will take standing and waiting for a bag and sitting in a chair all day, every day over standing in that queue. So definitely worth the investment. The uh, sixth item on this week's uh, list, the uh, headline reads, Americans have a difficult time slowing down in Italy. Most lunches and dinners take two hours in Italy, sometimes three hours. There's an old Simon and Garfunkel song, feeling groovy, and it it reads, uh, slow down, you move too fast. Got to make the morning last. And the point is, Americans are just going lickety-split. They don't know how to slow down like the Italians. And it, it was very interesting 
that you've really got to understand it. And one of the things that really struck me, we saw several McDonald's restaurants in Italy. Paul, they didn't have drive-through lanes. I mean, they don't believe in fast food. They believe in food that you sit and take time to eat and enjoy. And I thought that's the ultimate way to, <laughs> to clarify that you got to slow down if McDonald's doesn't even have a, a drive-through lane. <laughs> yeah, no, I we, we've actually talked. We were talking about this yesterday. We were in Siena, and we met with our guide, and we, we hadn't figured out our coffee machine here yet, so... We had some people that were uh, definitely short of their caffeine requirements for the day, and so we we uh, snuck over to a coffee place. And in Europe or in, in Italy, they don't have to go cups. You know, we as Americans, we grab our coffee and our water, we get in our car, and we go. They went and found what I would say similar to solo cups, dump the coffee in it. But you can imagine holding a solo cup that's filled with hundred plus degree coffee. That was not very, very comfortable and, and convenient. So they are very different. And, and that's what we talked about is we don't stop and smell the roses. And, you know, how many times do you tell somebody to stop and smell the roses, enjoy the moment and appreciate what it is that you're doing? And that's just not natural for many of us as Americans. So I think it's a, a, a big cultural difference that that might be one we could learn from. Headline number seven reads as follows. Tipping is not expected in Italy, but I sure get a lot of smiles when I add a nice tip to the bill. Paul, over the last five years when I've traveled to Italy, I've noticed that there's a little bit more tipping going on. Normally, culturally, they're not expecting a tip, but every time I do give a tip, I notice they really appreciate that. And I think as Americans, it's so much part of our culture that if we get good service, we feel like we want to tip. And um, so it's a, those awkward moments of, do I tip? Do I not tip? And I just I just say, go for the gusto. <laughs> if, if you've got good service, feel free to give money there. Even though officially anybody you ask, they say they're not expecting a tip. Yeah, we uh, we actually we, we did an experiment on this yesterday. And we had a lunch there eight of us here, seven of us here yesterday, and we tipped on a $250, $300 lunch for the, the whole group of us, a $10, 10 US dollar tip. And you would have thought that we were the best thing since apple pie. And, you know, as you think of that, <laughs> that also goes such a long way. Americans have such a, a, a negative view by many other people around the country for us being a giving people. So I think not only is it appreciated, but it actually can maybe change the, the dialogue about American travelers and make it so that we can feel more welcome in some places that, that are more challenging. I think it's a little thing, you know, we gave a 3% tip roughly, and yet it probably made those two or three servers day. The eighth headline reads, travel to Italy in December is now my favorite time of the year to travel to Italy. You mentioned that this, this is a great time to visit there. The weather is moderate. The prices are lower. There aren't as many crowds. And so I just thought I'd write it down. I think you and I have talked about it before. I was also surprised about the Christmas markets in Italy. I had always gone to those in Germany and Austria and never realized they had them in Italy too, but they do. So they do. I know you were one in Assisi the other day and it was busy as a bee. Arezzo actually last night was... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, It was Arezzo. incomprehensible. 
I have never, I'm not a crowd person. So, you know, as much as I regretted jumping into the madness, it was an amazing experience. Um, and just seeing it, you know, the, the lights that they put on all the buildings on the square there is something, it, it probably topped my experience in Munich four years ago when we did the Christmas markets. Headline number nine on this week's weekly traveler reads, you can find the real Italy in the off season. Paul, one day we traveled to Gubbio. There weren't any other tourists in the whole town. We found a local restaurant. All the locals were eating there and had the most amazing meal. And it was Italy for Italians. <laughs> and we were just American visitors that snuck in there and were able to enjoy what I call the real Italy without all the tourists. I think that's, yeah, I mean, that, that is what the off-season brings. It's amazing to get over here in the off-season, be able to have access to everything without the hassle, without the crowds. You know, really, I'm, I'm not a, a live-to-eat guy, but when you're in Italy – you're kind of forced. You you eat all the time, and that's part of the experience. And and when you don't have the crowds that you're having to fight to get into these amazing restaurants, it's it's amazing. This kind of goes back to one of your your prior topics of book early because I think things are gonna that busy season is gonna start expanding. Um, and so I think that's gonna be a, a reality of what we're gonna see. Is Italy is always gonna be a top destination, even they're saying um, March April. And then September, October, they're expecting to expand their, their busy tourism season. Well, the weather's often better than those days as well. Headline number 10 in this week's Weekly Travel Alert reads, you must watch out for the local holidays. Paul, last week on the 8th of December, there was a national holiday and they have the whole country off. So people were heading out of the main city of Rome. We were going into the main city of Rome but you had people there that normally would be working and everything. The museums were closed, and so you couldn't get the full effect of Rome of visiting the Vatican or Sistine Chapel or other places. But um, So you have to watch out for those holidays, and that's one thing a good travel advisor will work with you on is do the research on that. Make sure you check out for those holidays. I don't think you ran into any conflicts this week, did you, Paul? We actually did, because I can tell you where all of Rome went. They all went to Assisi. Assisi is the <laughs> um, it's the cathedral where St. Francis, so from the Catholic religion, St. Francis is the uh, saint of Christmas. And so they were all kind of doing their pilgrimage to Assisi, which when we landed here on Saturday, that's where we went. And the, all the guides said they'd never seen traffic to get into Assisi like it was on Saturday. And so, you know, I think that's uh, the thing is, yeah, when they're, when they're not in the city working, when they get that, that long weekend, uh, Italians are going to travel and they're going to go hit. But fortunately for our group, it was, they were all where we were trying to be, um, which was great. But yeah, we were the only tourists that weren't Italian in Assisi on Saturday. Headline number 11 in this week's Weekly Traveler is the wine experience in Italy is by far the most comprehensive in the world. You're, you're amazed there's 1,700, over 1,700 wineries. You visited two today. I visited those last week. We actually visited three. Now, I don't fancy wine very much, but I enjoyed tasting all the different wines. And one of the things I really enjoyed at the last winery you were at, they started pr uh, producing their own balsamic vinegar. And my gosh, I brought a whole bunch of that stuff back with me. 
<laughs> and uh, I was going to say, I, I didn't know if you got some, so I was going to give this to you for Christmas. But uh, oh we my got gosh, some as well, we got that, the secret tour with the balsamic. I didn't realize, I didn't know anything yeah. about balsamic. That is that little bottle is twenty years in the making. So it's something that uh, yeah. You know, the wine, the olive oil, the whole culinary experience. And, and, you know, that that vineyard, if you get to this part of Italy, that is an experience unlike anything else you'll ever have. We had the the head winemaker, one of the owners of the vineyard, he spent the whole evening with us. And, you know, it was great. He didn't speak, didn't speak English, but uh, our tour guide did. And so <laughs> he was able to uh, to communicate for us and, and it was probably one of the most enjoyable three-hour experiences. We were supposed to leave there at 5. We left there at 6.45. So we took a two-hour tour and turned it into about a four-hour tour. But I think that will be a highlight experience for everybody that was there on this group. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. And so you've got wine, you've got olive oil, and you've got balsamic vinegar, my three things. You put a little put those on a plate and put bread with it. I wouldn't need to eat anything else. I could eat those three all night long and have a be a happy camper. I don't know if I need to eat for the rest of this trip because I feel like that's all I've done since we've landed. Well, the last number 12 headline in this week's Weekly Traveler reads, Umbria is the new up-and-coming area of Italy. It's just besides Tuscany, close to uh, Florence, and of course, uh, most people fly into Rome. But if you're heading up from Rome into Florence, you need to sneak over to Umbria and visit the the communities of Assisi, Gubbio, Perugia, and Montoni, where you're staying, little walled city in Umbria. But we see a lot of people that used to go to Tuscany. There's so many visitors and tourists in Tuscany that now the people in Italy are moving over to Umbria because they don't want all the crowds. And so we sense that Umbria is going to be kind of the hot destination if you want to see the real Italy. And uh, I, I see you've experienced some of that already. Yeah, the first vineyard that we went to today, our tour guide there, that's exactly what she said is, they are now seeing the movement from the vineyards in Tuscany to the vineyards in Umbria. So actually that, that's great as far as you know, being able to add to you know, where, the, where the tourism is going here in Italy. Um, but it also means you better take advantage of it now because that's going to be a, a potential quick movement. And the pricing here that's very reasonable could easily triple um, if that movement continues over the next five to ten years. That does also bring about, though, is because there has been historically less tourism in places like uh, Umbria, is there are less people that speak English. So you have to understand that if you're coming into it so that you can be patient and figure out how to communicate with your Google Translate and those other options that are out there. But but they are, are, I'm sure that will get better as they understand that this is going to become a greater destination, which brings about greater opportunity for them. Well, that's my list of the 12 dirty dozen for this week's weekly traveler of Italy. It's been, I've enjoyed speaking with you in Italy. It's what, seven hours difference time frame? Yeah, it's, 10, so, it's almost 11 o'clock at night here. So, uh, my crew downstairs, they got quiet since I came up here to do this. I don't know if they're asleep or not, but, uh, yeah, no, this has been fun. <laughs> thanks for, uh, for being patient with me so I can make the timing work. And, uh, thanks everyone for joining. 
please like, subscribe, share, and add any questions or comments below so that we can make sure that we're hitting on any topics that you've got in future podcasts. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next week.